BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. But do you believe the cheaters can change? I mean, the answer is yes, but not if they say they're going to change. The intent to change is not enough. You need to take the actions to change. So I think sometimes you need someone to completely just leave you, yeah. make you learn that you need to change. It's Violet Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for, but need. Welcome to Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Are you ready? Hello, and welcome to a brand new Almost Adulting episode with me, your big sister, your best friend sometimes, <laughs> and your host, Violet Benson. Welcome to the last episode of September month. Isn't it crazy? Like, where did the time go? It always feels like January feels like it's going on for three, four months. Then it's like February, March, then it's like June. And you're like, holy shit, okay, wait, what, what were my goals? Oh yeah, not to fuck my ex-boyfriend anymore and fail that one. <laughs> Let's start over because I still have time. And then boom, it's October. I just I just don't get it. It's uh, shit. But anyway, <laughs> today is the last episode of the month. And we are ending it with my friend Niels. He is actually a top podcaster in his own game, which is all about true crime. And I thought it would be a great episode to kind of close off the month since we're entering October, which is cult month. Dun, 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 cult month. Yeah, that's right. I am so excited for October. Why? Because I have managed now to interview various people from the different cult worlds I have great interviews for you guys. The end of the month, we close it on a more easier note because beginning to middle, it's some serious shit, some serious dark shit, and I'm excited for it. It's serious dark shit to the point that I even have to protect some of the people that I've interviewed. And then for my Tuesday episodes, I figured I could still give you some relationship and dating advice since I know this whole month won't be about that. And a lot of you guys are still reaching out to me to give you advice about jealousy and besties and boyfriends and all the, those things. So I realized for Tuesday episodes, I'll still give you touches of that. And then I will dive into cults because there's so much things to talk about and it's exciting. And I just need this for mental health. So please just let me have this where I don't talk about dating and relationships every single day and research and read about it all the time because it's a lot. Let me jump into how lonely <laughs> I've gotten I am at the point that not only am I just not attracted to anyone at this point, uh, not interested in anyone, not pursuing anyone, not talking to anyone. There was someone I was like, I like this guy. This guy seems cool. I've never met in my life. I saw him on TV. I figured out a way to find his agent's email address <laughs> through different friends that I had to ask around. I got his agent's email address. And then I emailed his agent why I think me and his client should date. Is there a chance <laughs> no one's going to respond? Yeah, 98% uh, I'm not going to get a response. Is it funny? Yeah. Is it desperate? I mean, I hope not. I believe it was more just me being brave. It's a funny story. That's the thing. I think I just don't experience shame. Thank the Lord. I mean, things like this, because I always know it's just going to be something funny to tell my friends, to tell one well, of my friends, you guys. And eventually I'll laugh at it and I have nothing to lose, you know? So what? I don't get a response, whatever. Then the people that read it got to laugh. But I did say in the email, like, I'm just trying to get on this guy's radar. I'm not trying to chase him because I don't chase men. So I really feel like I saved face <laughs> without one specific comment. Will I give you guys an update about if anything's going to happen Probably not because I just think I finally hit a new low and that's kind of where I'm at right now. But you know, winter's coming and it's going to be cold outside and I just need someone to hold me. And yeah, so that's a little update on my exciting dating life. 
Today's episode is going to be great. Don't forget to also listen to Tuesday's episode. Is it going to be better? Is Tuesday's episode this week better than today's episode? Maybe. (laughs) But I don't want to shit on my guest because he was really great too. So, you know, just listen to both. And lastly, I do have a huge, sweet announcement. I am performing at the Hollywood Improv October 24th. It is a live recording. It's going to be half stand-up, half podcast obviously i'm so thankful for the people that went to my first show which is why i decided to do another show but it's going to be nothing like the first show the first show i wasn't sure what i was doing i was kind of just uh doing my best this time it's going to be phenomenal because you're going to laugh and then at the end you're going to be like oh that was dope advice you're going to get both and i know it's going to be good because why because i'm hosting it (laughs) It's going to be me, myself, and I, and you guys. If you don't live in LA, so you're like, I can't go, that's really rude. And you should probably figure out your location and figure out how you can make it to Los Angeles to see me perform at the Hollywood Improv October 24th, because it's just one night only, and that's it. So I need you to support me and to care about me, okay? This is the most important thing that will happen in your life, or at least this year, Okay. I don't care if you're getting married, you're having a baby. Like this one girl was like, oh shit, it's the same day as my due date. And I'm like, okay, that's rude. Like you don't even know the baby. Like you're going to know that that thing for like what, a day? You've known me for years and you're going to choose your baby over me? Rude. You know what I mean? Like figure out your priorities and understand that I come number one. (laughs) No, but seriously. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So I'm going to leave a link at the description of this episode. And from now on, I will always leave the link to get the tickets to my show. It's literally $20. Don't be cheap, okay? Don't be a little cunt. Don't go to Starbucks for two days and come to my show instead. I want to see you. I want you to support me. I'm going to do a meet and greet after. And it's going to be amazing. I'm very excited for it. And yeah, ticket link is in my bio of this episode also on Tuesday's episode and it's also in the bio of my Instagrams and yeah I'm going to kill it at my Hollywood Improv show and I'm gonna be dating that guy that I emailed his agent it's obviously all happening for me it's all happening for me I'm not let's do some affirmations right now before the episode starts number one affirmation I am not delusional okay no I'm not delusional. Everything I want to happen for me could totally happen. No, it will happen. No, it is happening. I am healthy. It could be worse. (laughs) That's usually my affirmation. Hey, it could be worse. Like today, I somehow, well, not today, on a few days ago, I somehow broke or did something that stopped my water pressure from working and I currently don't have hot water and now it's the third day in a row that I've been showering with cold freezing water but today I said and I have two more days before the people come to fix it so today I told myself you know what let's be positive about this so I said wow I am so thankful I get to shower in cold water because I've read that it's actually really good for your body so really I'm doing myself a favor and the universe is doing me a favor by giving me cold water. So then I get to put my body through that temperature and I get to grow as a human being. And it's good somehow for me. I don't know how I didn't finish reading the research, but something about it is good for you. So, wow, I am so lucky. Another thing I'm very lucky for is the fact that through my health issues, which I haven't fully discussed and eventually when I'm ready to discuss them, I will. Um, but through, I had this gum surgery and things that I needed to do because of the gum surgery and other things that I had to go through for whatever reason that made my teeth completely change and move, which is one of the reasons it made me get a list to fix that list. My dentist had to give me a retainer. So now in my thirties, I get to wear a retainer for the next four months. Today, when I was ordering, when I was trying to get um, the water people, water gas people to come to my house, I was had the retainer on when I was trying to make the appointment. And the lady confirmed with me that there will be an adult with me at the house when the guy will come to fix my water heater. And I confirmed that because she thought I was a child because of my list and my retainer. So that was really cool. 
And yeah, I just think it's really cool that in my 30s, I get to go back to wearing braces. Like how lucky am I just to feel that childhood all over again? And another cool thing is that I'm about to get my period. So every day I've been waking up and I've been choosing violence for the last couple of days. That's usually me right before my period. I wake up and I choose violence, period. Okay. But the cooler thing about this has been that because I got out of birth control around three, four months ago, my hormones are still adjusting. So right now, as they're adjusting, I get now acne right before I get my period. So normally I just get like acne on my back, which makes me feel very self-conscious if anyone touches me. But that's like every day. The cool thing before my period is that I get acne on my face too, which is super cool because not only do I get to wear braces in my 30s, but I also get to have acne. And it's like, how cool is this that I get to experience being 15 all over again because I'm not sexually active. I'm wearing braces and I have acne. So I would say overall, (laughs) 10 out of 10 winning. So you guys, don't be jealous of me. Your time will come where you will get to shine as bright as me. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed this little fun intro before the beginning of this episode. And again, don't forget to go buy my tickets to the Hollywood Improv Show October 24th. And uh, yeah, hope you have a beautiful day. And I cannot wait. For next week, when we enter October, cold month. I love you, bitches. Bye. My guest today, you all probably know Neil Strauss from, I think a lot of you guys would know him from his most famous book when he started years ago, The Game, Penetrating the Secret Society of Pickup Artists, or his most current work, which is his insanely popular, award-winning true crime podcast, Live and Die in LA. But Neil's a very different person than who he was when he first created the game. Even a decade later, this book is still sparking conversation about how controversial it was and the advice was, but obviously also written the truth and other books since. But the game was so iconic. And I remember for so many years, when someone bring up the game, I was just like, who the F wrote it and F this person? Right, right. Because it was literally a way to pick up women, but in a way that sometimes it felt like almost to put women down in order to pick them up, whatever it was. I was just talking about this yesterday with like a friend who I'm doing a, a book with. And um, and I was talking about like, I'm like, I said, when I wrote the game and the game really like, isn't like a how-to to me, the game's just my journey through that world. Yeah. But I literally, and it doesn't mean that I was right. I literally thought people are going to read this book and, and, and people are going to feel more safe. Like, I, I, just, just hear me out. It doesn't mean that I was right. But I literally thought when people read this book and they see how, how insecure men are and how scared they are and how terrified they are, like, it's going to be very empowering for women. And I mean, like, I, maybe I was that stupid. But I promise you, like, I really thought that this was somehow, this was empowering when they see the lengths these poor, pathetic guys go just to talk to somebody in a bar. But it became this new object of fear and division. <laughs> so it, it ties back into the previous conversation, which is how, how can we just create more fear? So then can you summarize for anyone at this point that read the game maybe years ago that doesn't remember exactly what that book was about? Obviously, it's not who you are anymore. Right. I'll I mean, it, it's, it's who I, but yeah, but I mean, I think every book is a chapter in your life. You yeah. know what I mean? And I would hopefully look back on any book I wrote and be embarrassed by it. But the game for me came about just because I literally like super insecure I was working, I think, at Rolling Stone, the New York Times. I was around all these concerts and rock stars and everything else. But but I was always the one on the outside, you know, and looking in and everyone else having the fun. And, and I found out about this group of guys who had all the secrets figured out. And, and I thought, oh, maybe this is a way for me to get comfortable around women. And did it work? Uh, it worked and it didn't work. It worked in the sense of that it worked, but there was like a soul tax to pay. <laughs> and then I almost had to like detox from that. I think you get all these people who are, you know, learning by the book how to be quote unquote alpha males, which is a horrible thing. Like that was like a goal. Who wants to be that, right? Like to me, the game is actually a book about toxic masculinity before the term existed because, and I'm not trying to rewrite history. There's horrible shit in there and there's horrible like, and I'm sure if I read it, I'd be freaking horrified. But the book ends with all these pickup artists living in a house and become the Lord of the Flies. They're all fighting each other. They're all these fake alpha males are like manipulating, using these techniques on each other to get them kicked out of the house. So even the book itself to me is about like, you know, it ends about leaving the culture and wanting to get out of it and, yeah. and choosing love over manipulation. Anytime you have an agenda that you want from someone and they're not included in that dialogue, it's manipulation. What was one of the most popular tactics in the game, in the book on how to pick up a woman? 
the main thing is just how do you start a, it's that those first couple minutes of how you start a conversation with someone, right? Like the, how do you walk up to somebody, start a conversation without hitting on them? Because if they're not attracted to you and you are, are showing romantic intent, it's super creepy, right? Like if you're, you're, you're at work, a coworker sends you some flowers that someone you're really went on a date with and you're really attracted to and they're like, oh my God, that's the most romantic thing ever. Yeah. But now a coworker who you're not attracted to sends you the exact same flowers, and I see your I'm body like, language. It's the creepiest thing it's inappropriate. ever. Right? Yeah, it's inappropriate. So, so the so the idea being is, let's assume that like I'm not someone who turns heads. I'm not someone who's like the most attractive person in the room. I'm definitely never. I've never had someone come up to me and say you're hot in my freaking life. But if someone listening wants to do that, that would be awesome. <laughs> um, so I basically have to walk up and start a, like a super interesting conversation right away, and then slowly show show my my inner charm. God, it sounds so pathetic. I have no, to slowly, no, slowly show my inner sense. charm so that it, that that attraction can develop in this natural way. So the most important part or the part that really connects is how do you have a conversation? How do you walk up as a male to a or 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 as anyone to someone you're attracted Especially to? Especially back then, because now people do it behind a computer and a DM, liking a bunch of pictures. Yeah. Or something. But back then, when you wrote the book, the game almost like what 15 years ago. Whatever, yeah. Now it's it, now it's different. It's, it's true. Yeah, it's true. So yeah. So now now it's different because a you don't have to go take that risk. Yeah. And so here's what's interesting. I had dinner with one of the co-founders at Tinder. He said. The reason they started Tinder, I thought Tinder was just, you know, just a ripoff of Grindr because Grindr kind of came first and then there was Tinder. And he said, well, one of the reasons we started Tinder is we read the game and we thought, shit, that seems like a lot of work. Wouldn't it be nice to see, know if somebody's- How do we minimize it even more? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wouldn't it be nice to know if somebody's already attracted to you and start from there? And I thought, oh, that's so interesting because obviously if you're on, if you connect with somebody on an app, all you can do at that point is blow it, which most people do. Yeah, but then I remember I was watching some video well, on TikTok. This girl on TikTok was saying how she was, she asked some guy for advice and she said, I don't understand why don't guys just up, are up front. Like, if you just want to sleep with me, just tell me. Like, the culture has changed and maybe I'm looking to just sleep too. And the guy said, but then it's not fun. Like, I still rather talk to you, pretend I want to date you just to get in bed because it's still the chase that's exciting. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to say because even then, like the girl could have been down to just have sex too. But instead, he completely confused her just because the chase is so much more fun than just being like, should we have sex and then never talk again? Okay, cool. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. And well, I think there's also like consent too, because you really don't want the guys you don't want to have sex with asking you if you want to have sex because it's just right. creepy and shitty. But I think what's great about like literally what's great about the apps is like you've already contextualized it as a romantic situation. So you know that's kind of cool because it's true. Like the whole social culture on this stuff in a good way has changed since then. Yeah, I know. But I get that that's completely not who you are. But I'm still wondering what's like the dirtiest advice that made some women angry and some dudes came up to you for after reading the game and was like, that one, that was it. I think two things people were obsessed with were, were like the neg and the peacocking. A, peacocking is really douchey and B, negging is just like, it's, it's not something I ever did. It's something a guy in the book did, but it's really like, it's, re I don't know. I was actually having this conversation right, yesterday. Right. A male peacock is really beautiful and that's how he attracts a woman and the woman peacocks are just very, very plain. Right. Yeah, so Peter was like standing out in the in the room, but it definitely caused like a lot of bad fashion Wait. choices for men. <laughs> oh, people still do it to this day. Yeah, it's just you dressing differently or doing something about yourself that makes you stand out compared right. to everyone else. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it if you're wearing it versus if it's wearing you. I mean, there are a lot of things in the game that are like really like make sense. Like I actually went to train like the FBI because they read the game and they wanted me to train their agents about like a. How do we use this to 
get somebody to turn on their organized crime boss or get this scientist state for another works for another country to turn over their secrets to us and stuff. And literally, like the stuff these guys figured out, at least in this context, felt like they were as advanced as anything like they were doing in the behavioral analysis programs at the FBI. It was crazy. And the, the thing's the same, but the clothes is different. The clothes is instead of, you know, coming home with you or like dating you or going to bed with you, the clothes is like, you know, being an informant or... Wait, that's really cool. I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, a lot of people use it for marketing, for all kinds of things. But I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's good or bad. So then how, what can, how would I get people to go with what I think versus someone else? Like, how do I get some people to turn on someone else? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the, the answer, I'm really into this stuff. I, I just talked about this and did a talk on this in Copenhagen. I'm really into this stuff called NVC, which is nonviolent communication. Love that. It's a, it's the, it's a horrible term, though, because it sounds like something for, like, prison offenders. But it's a great way to talk in connection. Part of my life now is dedicated to using NVC. Like, it's the greatest thing. I, it's hard to explain here, but it's a, basically a way to talk with someone to be heard, to avoid conflict, judgment, criticism, and having your way. Because I don't think like, I think the whole issue we're having is people who think their way is the right way. And their strategy for getting things done is the only way. And my right. job is to persuade you that I'm right and you're wrong. And all that leads to is conflict. It doesn't lead to peace. What leads to peace is allowing people to be seen and heard and understood and like without trying to f- control or force them. So, so I would say like trying to get people to think or your way or do your thing is probably a losing battle for both of you, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, political views, you can, that's a great example. Like two people who have different opposing views, they're not actually trying to hear one another. I want to say what I'm thinking and you want to say what you're thinking. We're just going to disagree. No one's actually like, wait, actually, that makes sense. Let me, you have to be open to it. Yeah. So the NBC thinking is like, this is interesting, is that no two needs are ever in conflict. No two people's needs are ever in conflict only the strategies for getting those needs met. So for example, like the right and the left, they both want safety, right? The need is safety, but one person's strategy for safety is different than the other person's strategy for safety. So then in a relationship, I want to be exclusive. You want to date other people. What's our nonverbal communication? Right. So so if you want to be exclusive, right, you want safety, right? And then I want your freedom. safety is independence. Right. My well, safety is together. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 right. So, so you want safety and I want freedom, right? Yeah. Right. And, we, and I, I want safety too, right? We probably both want safety. We both want freedom. And I feel more safe if I'm in like, don't feel like my sexuality is controlled, right? The idea is like, it's not about getting your way at all. It's just understanding, okay, this person has a strategy they're really attached to for freedom and safety that, that involve getting to do all these things. But we all know that strategy doesn't work because as someone who's been in those relationships, like it just ends up chaotic. I'm happy you brought this up because you trying to change somebody and get them to do something they don't want to do in order to keep the relationship will not be healthy for the relationship. Yeah. Here's the best way to think of a relationship. Let's assume it's like a, a two-person relationship, but there's you, there's your partner, and there's the relationship, right? So I think any choice has to be healthy for all three. So let's just say I'm dating you, I want to go have an open relationship, but you're not comfortable with that, but you're going to allow it to happen, right? Then it's good for me, but it's not good for you. And it's not good for the relationship. Yeah. Right. And so it literally might be a matter of like, Hey, like if what we want to, if what you want to do doesn't serve me or the relationship, then like, cool, go, go do that. Like you get to do that. Like I'm, here's my thought. If I'm in a relationship with someone, I will never control them. I'll never tell them what to do or what they want. They can do whatever they want, but if it doesn't work for me or serve me for the relationship, I'll share that. And then you can just decide if, is, if like what you want to do, right? I don't have any attachment to it if we're just in a different philosophy and way of thinking. Yeah, I think that's one thing that people have to understand that you can be the ripest apple, the ripest fruit, whatever it is, and you can be amazing, you can be perfect. But if someone's not ready for what you're ready for, you guys are not on the same pages, it doesn't matter who you are as a person, how amazing you are, how well you treat someone else, it's not going to happen. That's what sometimes bothers me when people say, well, it was like the perfect person. It was just bad timing. No, it just, it wasn't the right, perfect person. Right. If it was the perfect person, point. it would have been the right timing for you. Yeah. And here's the other thing though, is like, it's not like they're not ready and you're ready. Like when you fall for somebody, you're usually meeting like your emotional equal at that time. Exactly. So in other words, like the guy has the commitment issues and the, she in this case has like attachment issues, right? And, and so you guys like are a perfect dysfunctional pair. Yeah, and you're right about the attachment issues in a way because if a lot of the time 
when we want something to happen so badly, we're not noticing the red flags. And if for a second we stopped, we would know this isn't the perfect person for me because the one number one thing that I need in this relationship where the person actually wants to be with me is not happening. But in so many of those cases, like if they didn't have the red flags, you wouldn't even be attracted. So many people are attracted to the red flags because those red flags like hook into something like with them. For example, I have a friend, her dad was always present, but never like emotionally present. And then the attraction will be to someone who who's unavailable, and if you can get them to be available, that child gets to heal that right. father issue in that, mm-hmm. in that case, right? So, so, and if someone's too available, then they're like so unattracted. Everyone's like, that's what you're looking for. That's somebody who's always there. You're like, ah, I'm just not attracted, right? So we kind of look for that person that's going to heal the childhood pain, and most often we replicate it. Well, I read about it. When I had this conversation with my friend yesterday, it actually comes from... Uh, what doctors say is basically, yeah, it's your childhood trauma and you end up being drawn to people who feel familiar without realizing. So they're like, wow, you feel like home. It's like, yeah, it literally is home. It's your dad or whomever else in your parent, childhood trauma. And it feels familiar and that's why I'm so drawn to you as a person. And then it's my brain subconsciously is trying to recreate scenarios that happened to me as a child with one of my parents and they're hoping for a different outcome this time. So that's why I'm being drawn to parent, to someone who reminds me of my unemotionally available father. And it's my inner child hoping that this time, like, I will feel loved. Like, this time the outcome will be that the person changes for me or whatever it is. Right. And, and, then, and, then and, then, and then they're drawn to you because that's the needy mom who they, like, who was overwhelming and suffocating to them. Yeah, exactly. So in other words, that's okay and maybe that's how it works, but can you get two conscious people who recognize their own issues and are going to independently heal them, not heal each other, but heal 90% of people who want an open relationship want it for the unhealthy reasons because they don't want to feel trapped, you know, but some are really naturally like can have it healthily. I've, I've studied like deeply <laughs> these relationships and like a lot of them, whether they're monogamous or polyamorous or, you know, yeah. CNM, consensual non-monogamy, whatever they are, they'll be unhealthy. If you're healthy, whatever relationship style you choose will be healthy. It literally all starts with that. Yeah, and I think there's nothing wrong with also being honest with yourself of what you're comfortable with. I think a lot of the times people get into relationships with people and they just want to be with them so badly that they won't then communicate what they're not comfortable with. Like I have some friends who are in open relationships and it works for them because they're both, they don't view love and sex the same thing. So they're able to do that. And now I've been like, you know, studying my friends and understanding because I realized that I used to have a very unhealthy fairy tale of what relationships were supposed to be. Because I grew up with my parents never fighting. And even when I got older, one time my mom was talking to me and she goes, oh yeah, Violeta, when we moved here, your father was really getting to me. We were, I was thinking of divorcing him, but then I just stayed. And I'm like, what, when? Because I've never seen them fight. So I didn't realize that subconsciously, whenever I even had the smallest argument with a partner, right away I go, okay, this is not working out for me because I'm not used, it doesn't make sense to me. Versus someone else who stays too long in abusive relationships because they saw their parents get really abusive with one another. So both ends are extreme. But now being around certain friends and I get to see they live together and they still have miscommunications or someone else is in an open relationship, but they're getting married. Things like that. I was like, wow. So I used to think a man comes in and saves you. And I used to think there's no fights. And if there's even one argument, the fairy tale is not real. And now getting to see all these realistic relationship is making me open my eyes, also making me realize that a lot of us have these unhealthy expectations of what relationships should be. And that's why a lot of us are now single, because it feels like almost easier to be single than it is to, to deal with someone else's childhood trauma, attachment issues, like past relationship baggage. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I'm thinking about the single part. <laughs> like I think, but I think you can learn and grow so much in like a healthy relationship, but you kind of have to work. If, but the main note is this, if you want a healthy relationship and a healthy partner, you do the work on yourself. It's not about the picking part. It's about literally doing the work on yourself and raising your own emotional intelligence. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with that. And uh, kind of other therapists that I've had on my show before, one of them, I remember she says a comment like every day you wake up and you ask, is this working for me? regardless what it is in your life, if it's my life currently working for me, and if every day this is working for you, like let's say the relationship, then continue it. But if something's finally not working for you, then communicate, and then you have a decision, either stay or leave. But it's not beneficial for anyone if you're fighting every day and both of you are not changing, but you're just sticking it out. It's very unhealthy when you expect other people to change for you because they will end up resenting you. Yeah, they, you can't, you can't. Like, like anyone who's listening to this and saying, 
I just need my partner to change or to do this and then everything will be great. Like, let that go right now. Yeah. So after you wrote the game and everything changed, then you wrote a book called The Truth. I'm sure a lot of people also read that. Do you think, can a player really change their ways or is that, do you feel like it's always going to be a part of them? I think anybody can change. And I've talked to like geneticists about this and everything else. If you're willing to like become aware of the problem, first of all, right? You take the awareness and then the awareness is the most frustrating part because when you're aware of a problem, especially if it's a deep psychological one, you still keep doing it. The awareness doesn't change it. The awareness just makes you beat yourself up more because you keep fucking doing it, right? Yeah. Like I know so many people who are like, you know what? I have this pattern, so I'm going to be celibate for this yeah. long. And then there's, they can, you can be celibate for five years, but as soon as you're not celibate, if you haven't really done the deep healing work, you're going to go choose the exact same wrong partner. Exactly. So there's awareness, and then you really have to start doing like the deep healing. Like, And I think talk therapy is nice, but it doesn't really do the deep healing. You need like deep experiential stuff where you're like crying in a puddle on the floor and like getting rid of all that like childhood shit you're holding on to. I agree. I think, I feel like one thing that I do with myself now is a conversation with myself. Well, if I feel like I'm repeating a pattern, cause I'm very self-aware, but I still do the same shit. So then I'll tell myself, even this morning I did to myself, I'm like, your words and your actions are not matching. Like it's something, a sentence that now I always tell myself because it's, it's like, for example, I, I demand respect from whomever I'm dating. And I will never take someone back if they disrespect me. And then suddenly I'm still texting someone I shouldn't be dating anymore. And then doing that, I'll, I'll stop myself and I'll say, your words and your actions are not matching. People have so many unhealthy expectations of relationships. There's an idea from this woman, Pia Melody. I love this thought. It might not be her idea, but that's where I read it. It's unconditional positive regard that people... It's unhealthy and codependent to want unconditional positive regard from your partner, meaning that my partner has to always approve of everything I do, like everything I do, never criticize me, which is an insane projection, an insane way to think about your partner when you don't even treat yourself that way. So a lot of our assessment tools are, are, are off for what a healthy relationship is. I know so many like amazing women, people I've dated who are in the past, like who are all kinds of who are in relationship with these guys who shame and humiliate them and sexually shame them, make them feel feel guilty for past relationships and sexual experiences. And if you're dating anyone like that, like get the fuck out. Like I really mean if you if you're with a guy who shames you for your past relationship or sexual choices, like that's like emotional abuse to me. Yeah. And vice versa. I just feel like there's some signs that you can just see really early before you're in too deep to just get out of something right away because, man, it's so easy to get in a relationship, but it's so hard to get out of one. Yeah, yeah. That's so true because at this point, you're kind of like, well, I already found this person. They already got to know me and I don't want to open up to someone new and or we already slept together. And so you just kind of stick around hoping it'll work out and it's not going to. And you don't want to feel the pain. Like you just don't want to feel that, the pain of abandonment. Both people have to make a relationship work. That's another thing. A lot of times someone is like on the other end, like, I'm just trying to make this work, blah, blah. But is the other person like, I, well, I keep changing. Blah, blah. Okay, but is the other person? Because both people have to make, want to make this work. If it's just me fighting to make this work and you're still cheating me like shit and I'm continuously trying to make myself better, then of course it's not going to work out. Like we both have to make this work to be together. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. What does making this work look like? Well, there, I mean, there's different definitions for it. I mean, whatever we're going through, but let's say we live together and every night we're fighting. 
and you're upset that I'm leaving the dishes. So then I make sure to clean the dishes because I want to make this work. And I'm like, maybe let's go to therapy, blah, blah. And then you don't want to go to therapy. It's too stressful. Then I'm like, okay, let's do date night once a week. They'll help us become closer. You're like, no, I don't have time for that. And then you come home and now you're mad about something else that I left out. And I'm like, I'm here trying to make it work. It's not working because you're actually, you actually don't want to make it work. Both people have to make it work. Just the whole idea of making it work sounds so forceful to me versus like one partner's upset. Again, like I love nonviolent communication because it's really about letting people do the things they love. So one person's upset about the dishes. Let's say the dishes are not in the sink or something like that. And the other person might say like, hey, I, I love you, but you, you can, we can problem solve this. Like as an example, let's just say that one person never wants to wash dishes, but they're going to wash the dishes to please their partner and their partner's still not happy. And then they get to resentment and it just implodes versus saying like, it doesn't bring me joy to wash the dishes. I also know it frustrates you. So let's discuss what are some solutions where there cannot be dirty dishes in the sink that don't involve me or you washing it. And that's, that's like the NBC thing where we get attached to the strategy. The strategy is you need to wash the dishes or you don't respect me. That's not going to work. But we right. can have a discussion about how can those dishes not be in the sink without anyone being forced to do something they don't want to do. Yeah, that's great. So we have the discussion. We both want to make it work because then we'll come up with a solution. Yeah. But if the other person goes, no, it's either you make, do the dishes or you do not care about me. And now I'm going to be resentful because you know I hate doing the dishes. So, And then the thing is like, you try to have a discussion about it. And if that discussion really becomes that difficult, then it's like, okay, let's talk to like a counselor or a therapist or someone that, and they won't see that person. Then you can kind of let go. It's true. I mean, I think with my, with my divorce with Ingrid, who's here and like literally one of my best friends in the world, but Mia, Oh, that's your ex Yeah. 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 Oh. But we have like crazy. a great relationship. I was just like, who is this cutie? I'm like, wow, you're really dating really like <laughs> 10 out of 10 women after your divorce. And you're like, no, that's my ex-wife. <laughs> cool. Okay. Yeah. We knew it was over like when she stopped wanting to go to therapy. We're like, okay, if we can't work on it anymore, then we have to let go. And then once we let go, but it's okay. Like I'm so, I love being divorced. <laughs> like I love being you divorced. You love being divorced. Like, like co-parenting is like, I love being divorced. I love co-parenting. It's like literally the greatest thing because you, for half the week, I got to be super dad. And for the other half of the week, I get to do my own shit. I don't think a relationship's a failure if it ends. A relationship's a failure if it goes on too long. I 100% agree because there was a Harvard research. And basically, they interviewed a ton of different people from the, when they were children to adults. And it was in different neighborhoods, from rich to poor neighborhoods, to people who graduated from Harvard, to people who didn't go to university. All completely different stuff. And it was basically the pursuit of happiness. What's the secret to being happy and living a long life? And when they interviewed these people over throughout the years, and when they were young, they asked them, what do you think will make you the happiest, bring you happiness when you're older? And everyone kind of said the same thing. It was being rich and famous. That's basically what a lot of these people thought that that's what bring happiness to them. And then as the years grew, they continued doing these interviews and they found that the key to happiness was long lasting relationships, even health wise. They found that the people who were ended up alone, no matter how rich they were, were unhappy or sick. They found that the people who were in unhealthy relationships still together either died unhealthy, um, not happy. And the people who managed to have good relationships are the ones who stayed healthy and were happy regardless where they were financially. And But they even show in the research that people who stayed in unhealthy marriages or unloving marriages were still causing ache when it came to their health and to their happiness. So I do like the idea, the fact that like sometimes it's okay to move on from a relationship that there's no, you know, love in there anymore. And I love how healthy you are with your ex-wife. And I think there's probably a lot of people out there who may do have a child with their partner and may not have a good relationship, which is terrible. So do you have any advice for people on how they can create such a happy relationship? So step one is knowing that you'll be okay without the partner, meaning you're going to be financially okay, whatever side of it you're on, you're going to be romantically okay and find somebody else. Like you're going to be okay without that person because a lot of people end up finding about money or about like, you know, fear they won't find someone else to be in a relationship with. So the first thing is having the confidence to know you'll be okay. Just let go of the scarcity mindset and have just an abundance that you're going to be okay. Nobody's, nobody's died from a divorce unless they hurt each other, right? So you're going, to, you're going to be okay. So that's the first thing. Second thing is once the relationship's over, all your stories about that person are over. Meaning like what they do, will do, what they won't do, the relationship's over, stories are over. Let go. Third thing is if you have kids or anything like that, like you're both going to parent differently and you have no choice but to accept the other person's parenting issues unless 
it truly, truly, truly is like dangerous for the child, in which case you have to get someone else involved. So, so I think like just that surrender, that letting go, that trust and that kind of abundance mentality are it. And, and it's like, you were in love with this person one time. They, they know you super, super well. And like, it's possible with an amazing friendship. How do you fall out of love with someone if you still love them and they don't feel the same way? And you have a child together. So obviously you have to, you have to do your best to obviously be able to co-parent, but you can't help your emotions. Like for people out there who can't move on, do you have any advice on how, what they can do? There's a great way to let go, which is no contact. Like the only way, if you're in this relationship and it doesn't have to be a marriage, it's any relationship. We started with picking up. I mean, here's my breaking up advice. <laughs> okay, this is like the, this is for whatever the relationship is. If you decide you want to break up or somewhat, whatever it is, you have that discussion. And then you say, for two weeks, I will answer all your texts, all your calls. I'll really be there for you. By the way, another reason it worked out is I didn't date till the divorce was really final. So going back to breaking up. So one is you say, for a week, two weeks, I'm here for all the text, all the emails, all the calls. I'm just 100% present. But then after that ends, like, we will have no contact whatsoever until, like, we're both really over it. Yeah. You know, and that's the only thing because otherwise, every time you get in contact with someone you're trying to get over, you're resetting the clock on your own recovery. That's so true. When you're going through a breakup, you need the reason you do the things that are unhealthy, like texting or the stalking, is because you get that heroin high, the same high they get from heroin or cocaine. And it's like, ah, you're going through withdrawals and you're like, ah, yeah, yeah, that's it. It's, it's like, yeah. And so this saying, and this is true for parents as well as for, I mean, for people who have issues with their parents, is like, you can't expect the same person who wounded you to heal you. You know, it's like if they, they, they are wounded by this relationship, you have to get the healing somewhere else. You can't expect the same person that wounded you to heal you. But we want that. It's like my child. Yes. You know, with my child, it's funny. He'll be, when he was young, he'd be like angry at us, but they'd be hugging us while crying. He's hugging us for consolation while crying because he's angry at us. So we have these confusing emotions. Also, I forgot to mention that I really liked earlier when you said that you can't be everything for your partner because that's very important that a lot of people miss and don't understand or can't relate to. They forget. And I only recently learned that based on some therapist's advice. You can't expect anyone to be everything for you, including your partner. Yeah. And you, you had said earlier about people falling out of love. I think one of the reasons they fall out of love is they parentalize their partner. If you turn like someone into mom or dad, like A, you don't want to have sex with them anymore because they become mom or dad. And B, you're just going to kind of rebel against them. So the easiest way is like when a when you turn a partner into the parent, whether it's the parent who's going to save you and rescue you and do everything for you, or be the parent who like, you know, you're fighting against and trying to get something from. Oh my God. That's so interesting. What is that though? I feel like I read that in why men love bitches too. Not, not why men love bitches too. I read it <laughs> the in sequel. the book, yeah. why men love bitches. And it literally explains something how I remember something about how you want to be the hot girl and the partner versus you don't want to sell me him to confuse you with his mother. Yeah. Even though he is looking for someone like his mother, but someone like his mother, but he still wants to fuck. Like, I don't understand. Right. So if, yeah, it's like if you're getting, trying to get him to change, right. And then you're criticizing everything he does, then you become like a, the critical mom. Right. But I had a friend, I mean, he must have issues then, but he was dating this girl and clearly has his own childhood trauma because he was constantly pursuing me while he was dating this girl and also before. And he thought I would be the perfect partner for him because I was unavailable. And I understood that's exactly why. And I remember I asked him, why didn't it work out between you and this girl? She was so in love with you. And he goes, I don't know what it was. The more she loved me, the more it turned me off because it reminded me of my mother's love. That's it. So that, that, I mean, that's it. It's like for some men who are dealing with like enmeshment, which is a lot of what that, the truth is about the book you mentioned, is um, enmeshment is when a parent you have a needy parent and a parent has the child fulfill their needs. It's oh. very subtle. So a good sign of enmeshed is if you feel sorry for a parent, you know, or Got you it. become their therapist or you become like, they have so much anxiety that they want you, that they over control you. So she loved them so much that she also was showing exhibits of being needy or needing him so much. That's what reminded him of his mother, not the, right. the love. Right. Because I was thinking, how can you be so turned off by like someone it, it, loving it's like, you? It's like when you have that overbearing, overbearing or, or, that or that depressed parent or whatever that parent you're taking care of in some way, whether it's subtle or not, like as soon as you feel like love again, you know, or something that strong, you're, you're, being goes, oh no, not that I, this like swallowed up my childhood. I'm not going to let this swallow me up again. And often that's why people cheat. People think that it's because um, something's wrong with me. It's not that, you know, it's really because this person felt trapped. 
that's why it's always so much harder to date as you get older. Because as you get older, every year, it's more and more wounds and baggage that comes into you. Yeah, but I do think one of the purposes of life is to like unload your baggage as you go. I hope so. But I think it's a harder time now because like really like, man, I mean, just to be like really frank, like the COVID has like just set me back so far in my like emotional healing. I think like all the devices, the limitations, the the um, stuff happening in the world right now, I think it's just a harder time. It's harder to heal now. You're very, that's so true. I guess I didn't realize it did make me more antisocial and it kind of almost made me more okay with being alone because I got to experience that during COVID and I got used to it. So I guess I didn't realize that, that now I can just go back to my like little shell where I'm just home by myself yeah. and it's comfortable. And now we have like the worst of both worlds. We have all the social obligations with all the Zoom obligations. One thing that I really liked that you said in truth in the book, and then we'll kind of wrap it up that I was really into. You said a comment. I feel like I should regret a whole lot more than I actually do, because unfortunately I'm not the hero in this tale. I'm the villain. And that's something I'm sure a lot of people, including myself, can relate sometimes but because everyone could be the villain in someone else's story, especially because I believe that there's no such thing as the truth. There's mine and there's yours. Philosophers say that. So how do you overcome being the villain specifically in someone else's story? Yeah, I, mean, I think you do the, like I think that where that came from was was it began before Inger and I were married and I had cheated on her, gotten caught, and just felt horrible about it. It's like this is what led me on the journey, discover that enmeshment. Like why would I cheat on somebody who I love who loves me, who I want to like get in a serious relationship with and marry. Like, why would I, and why would I hurt another person? And so that just began with those questions. And then I checked into sex addiction rehab uh, at the beginning of the truth. Um, and, and that's where I remember the moment when um, I was sitting in therapy and you do a timeline, like all the most significant negative events in your life. And the therapist goes to me, well, you know why you've never been in a relationship, in a healthy relationship? I'm like, no, no, why? She's like, well, it's because your mom wants to be in a relationship with you. Oh, I've dated guys like that. Yes, that, that, of course, because you have the abandonment issue. Oh, and shit. And you're going to attract guys with the enmeshment issue. I guess maybe it's changed over the years because I like a lot of space from people. I'm actually not the one that needs like... Yeah, well, I think it's hard. These terms are kind of tough because someone thinks, well, love avoidant means I don't want... Someone's like, well, no, I really want love, but it's like, it's more about our behavior in it. Yeah. Why would somebody that loves someone else so much cheat? Specifically, I guess for I mean, you, I guess well, there's no Why do like humans do everything answer. they do? Yeah. Like everybody has, I mean, we could take any human being and say, well, what do you want in your life? And they could say what they want and what are you doing? And we could say, well, what, they, what they're doing is not going to get them what they want. I'm certainly like, I think that could be, I think it'd be interesting like discussion um, to have with anybody. I might start having that, starting, starting with myself. But the point being is we have these, we have, there's what we want and then there's kind of what we need and then there's what we need and what we respond to. So it's you're like, saying it's because you felt trapped, like it was your mom? Yeah, just feeling like trapped and, and suffocated and feeling like, God, this is going to go down this road that's familiar to me and that's, uh, that's painful and just doing something to sabotage or have an outlet and not the feel sabotaging. so trapped. Like she would hug me full of love and I'd feel like my skin crawl, like, God, I just need to escape. I feel like I'm suffocating. That's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, my ex used to cheat on me all the time and then he would prank me that he was cheating on me with the girls he was cheating on me with. That's a mindfuck. <laughs> and I think it was almost like his desperate way. I mean, I don't want to give him too much credit or I hate that I like to see the silver lining and everything. I wish I could be, I wish I could hold guard. I think it's good to see the silver lining. Like I think everybody, I really do. Like if you stop and think most people, are, most, most people, except for that, the, that few sociopath person we talked about before, most people are really like trying to just do their best. And I almost feel like looking back now, I wonder if it was his way of, trying to somehow get love for me because the fact that he would prank me, that he was cheating on me, almost to see my reaction. Even with that, I had no reactions. I was like, ah. Oh. I think he was trying to manage his own fear guilt. and guilt about it. Yeah, in the sense that like, oh, if I call you with this person and do this, and then you kind of catch me later, well, I've already kind of said it, so I'm less worried about getting caught. He was cheating on you to manage his anxiety about being in a committed relationship. And then he was doing those calls to manage his anxiety about cheating, <laughs> which is like a drug addiction. It's like a dysfunctional anxiety medicating loop. Yeah. And then I remember he reached out to me a month before he got engaged and he was trying to cheat on his partner. So obviously he didn't care to change or childhood trauma, whatever it was. But do you believe the cheaters can change? I mean, the answer is yes, but not if they say they're going to change. I mean, how many times has somebody promised like, oh, if we can just be in this relationship again, I'll do X, Y, and Z, and I won't do these other things. Then like three weeks in the relationship, they're right back to the old pattern. So the answer is 
the intent to change is not enough. You need to take the actions to change, which are like the deep, serious, like commitment to the healing. I really spent like a couple of years working on myself and I didn't do it to keep the relationship. I did it for me. And fortunately, like she was still open to a relationship later. I've noticed I repeat certain patterns in relationship and it doesn't matter if the last person wasn't for me, but I feel like with the last person where he kind of put his foot down and I overstepped my boundaries and he just said, that's it, which I'm not used to. Like usually it just continues to be toxic, whatever. And this person would completely just never spoke to me again. And for me personally, I felt like it really opened my eyes and even though I know that person wasn't right for me, the fact that that happened to me, it made me realize, okay, this was a lesson. Like I need to do better, especially if the next person might be the right person for me. I feel like for me, it opened my eyes about the fact that someone could actually walk away from my life. So I think sometimes you need someone to completely just leave you to make you learn that, or that it's, you need to change. Yeah. It can be good if someone has good boundaries and then they won't take that call back that when you're trying to get back together. That's why I said it's great just to have a no contact thing at a certain point until yeah. everybody's over it and then you can become yeah. friends later. Because if he would have taken me back right away after right. I crossed his boundaries, like I would have I would have probably done the same shit again. Yeah. Because I, I wouldn't take him seriously, you know, because you forgave me. No, I know people have spent years breaking. Like, like are no marriages that were like the happy part was shorter than the miserable part. You know, or people who would spend more time breaking up than they did in the relationship. Well, because you like, keep chasing that that little high that you got in the beginning. That you're like, where did it go? Maybe this is the next book. Maybe after the game and the truth, it's the, it's the breakup book. Yeah. So where can people find you? They can Google me and find me at their favorite at their favorite social media spot. They don't do TikTok yet. Should I do TikTok? Probably, yeah. Yeah. I know. I know, I'd be, I know I need to do it. Well, I'm just getting into it. It's hard. I'm actually thinking, I'm like, I'm really trying to think of how I can go without a phone. I'm really looking at my quality of life. And, and before, I was a, it was just text and emails. Now, I mean, how many inboxes do you have? You have Instagram, Twitter, Signal, Telegram, phone, whatever, whatever dating apps you're on, Raya, Hinge, Bumble, whatever they are, you know, that's eight. And I'm sure I've missed like, a, oh, WhatsApp, that's nine. You're hooked in there. And I'm just thinking, how can I remove the phone from my life? It's a process. As much as possible. I actually, I do that for my mental health, where like on weekends, on Saturday, I either choose not to work. It's my... Sabbath or whatever. And I, I kind of choose, I tell people I'm not really working or now I feel like there's too much access to us now and people become so used to it now that if you don't respond to a text and they're DMing you or they're FaceTiming you or they're WhatsApping you or they're emailing you and you're supposed to respond. It's like, no, 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 no. Just because you have access to me doesn't mean you should, you have access to me. And I put my mental health first. Now when I'm with people, I put my phone away. I'm not on my phone or weekends. I really try like yesterday. I decided to just completely take a break and I was just with friends all day having heart-to-heart conversations and bonding with people and it was cool because it was one of those times I came home and I felt full and a lot of times I've been around people that made me feel drained and it was interesting to be like wow I felt full and it's because I devote I really was in the moment I was present it's more you being conscious and people also understanding. And if it bothers anyone, that they're overstepping their boundaries. But you have to give yourself the time. You have to know that nothing is the end of the world. Um, anyway, so yeah, you guys can find him on Instagram. You guys can find him everywhere. And also um, his podcast. Yeah, To Live and Die in LA. But yeah, started season one. I'll leave more information about him on my description of this episode. If you guys have any questions, make sure you follow him. Make sure you subscribe to his podcast. Make sure you check out all of his books. And I hope you guys have a beautiful day. Love you, besties. Bye.